Hi, it's Samara here from The Blab Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I have a guest speaker here today named Stephanie Thompson, who is an author. She has written a book called The Day My Vagina Broke, which sounds very intriguing. And I'm sure <laughs> it's about a story um, that she has to tell, and that's why she's here today. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sam. It's wonderful. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your body image story after you, after having children? Of course. So, well, there's, there's two stories, but let's stick with the first one because that's sure. mainly what the book is about. Okay, sure. Um, this is probably going to be a little bit different than what most people would be expecting because yeah. from the outside, I look exactly the same as what I did before I had children. Yeah. So my body image is what it feels like on the inside. It's the things that you cannot see. Yes. So it's the, the damage and the injuries done during childbirth yes. that, that are invisible to the world, but make my body feel like a massive failure. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting so that you say you feel like a massive failure. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Of course. So um, I don't have the answers as to why my birth went the way it did. I've never had an opportunity to talk or debrief with anyone. And it seems like there's just seen um, so many variables of things that can happen during childbirth that yeah. there's no definitive um, one way of working out kind of what happened. But I feel like my body failed because all along during my pregnancy, I had the idea that I was going to have my birth vaginally. Yes. Well, back then, it, it, you know, pre-pregnancy, I called it natural childbirth like everyone else does yeah. because I wanted that natural, loving, woo-woo, amazing experience that I yeah. had seen throughout my life in, mm. on TV and in books and in, in the pregnancy books that you read that becoming a mother and your journey to motherhood is beautiful and wonderful. It's funny that you say that because <laughs> it so does. Like we get caught up in this fantasy of what pregnancy might be like and what the birth might be like and then what motherhood would be like. And it's almost as if as we go through those phases, our fantasy gets crushed. hundred <laughs> percent. Doesn't and then, it? You feel a little bit foolish. You think, how did I not know this? Because... Only once you have been through an experience that you weren't expecting and you start to share it, everyone seems to be more honest around you all of a sudden. Like, yes. oh, yeah, that's the reality of motherhood, darling. Or yeah. that's, that's part of natural childbirth. You will have a prolapse and you will wee your pants. Yeah. Like, it was Why didn't really... they tell us before? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they tell us before? <laughs> Which is the exact reason why I had to write this book and and I think too, because part of it is people, they don't want to scare pregnant mums. Like, oh, you know, don't yeah. tell her your horror stories and don't scare them. But I, I, I've talked about it. I only wish I know now what I knew, like what I know now, I wish I knew yeah. back then. So I didn't feel so blindsided. So when I say I think my body failed me, it's because I feel like I couldn't birth my baby the way I had been taught during birthing classes, yes. the way I had read about it in the books, yep. the way I had been spoken about it during my midwifery care mm. um, yep. lead up to the birth. Yes. So now there are two things um, 
with one heading that I want to talk to you about and which is what a little bit your book is based around and that's birth trauma. And so there's the birth trauma as in the physical trauma and then there's birth trauma as in the mentality trauma. Have you experienced a little bit of both or one or the other? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Of course. That's really, um, it's such a complex thing. I didn't even really know what trauma was uh, until researching the book because we just did it. We were on that bullet train and we just birthed the baby and were so grateful. Yeah. It took five years to, to fall pregnant with her. So we were just yeah. that so grateful she was here on my chest but none of, none of it really mattered. Yes. And none of it mattered Not at the, the next time. Day. Not at the time when yeah. you have your baby. It just, yeah, Correct. everything happens so quickly. And I can totally relate to that as well because, you know, when I had my first son, everything just happened so quickly and we had the emergency cesarean and all that sort of stuff. And it wasn't actually until this year that I had that aha mm. moment of like, I actually experienced birth trauma. So, yeah, tell us a little bit. Sorry, I'm just going off on my tangent there. But can no, tell us I about think your story. I think it's a perfect segue because I think it's important that we open this dialogue and conversation just this week. So birth trauma stories are in the media at the moment in yes. a little trickle. And I feel like the flourish and the inertia is coming. What mm. scares me about this is reading the comments people write in uh, response to these trauma stories. For okay. example, we've got men and women saying, oh, everyone's claiming birth trauma these days just to get money, which is rubbish. Right. Yes. Oh, everyone's claiming they had a traumatic story, but that's just childbirth. Mm. Rubbish. Yes. So that is, that's the most frightening part is it, um, or stop telling your, your traumatic birth stories because you're going to scare women and it's not fair. Mm. To me, I have lived in silence for four years about my birth yeah. until now because yeah. I didn't want to scare people, but more so like you, I did not understand the enormity of grief I was carrying in yes. my backpack every single day. Yes. I just got goosebumps when you said that yeah. word grief because I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we just have to soldier on yeah. as mums and we do, and we choose to, but it's not until you start to unpack it a little bit that, uh, so just to go back a little bit. So we yeah. didn't actually, we've never had a chance to talk about our birth uh, until two years when my daughter was about two and we're sitting in a law firm. Okay. How we got there was another story, but it wasn't our ideal to sue the hospital. It was, I just wanted resolve. Yeah. I wanted to be able to get fixed myself from my yes. injuries, which would require surgery and money. Yes. I wanted to be able to continue to afford all of my therapies that I need from the birth. Yes. For potential anything for my daughter because she too had um, extensive damage to her head. Right. Um, but then going through that, and I wanted it to stop. I just think, like sitting in that law firm, we were told what happened to us was totally unavoidable and unnecessary. Yes. So I wanted it to stop because I now have a daughter and she yes. is not going through this. Yeah. But during that process, I, I learned, you know, you learn a lot of lessons in motherhood, um, that our resolve was not going to come from a pile of cash and it wasn't much. And so we decided to leave it and said, because the caveat would be we were not allowed to talk about it. It would just be, here is your compensation. Goodbye. Go away. And then sign no. a form and be silent. Correct. 
yeah, no, not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will say that in itself was a very traumatic experience. Yeah. Because it was the first time I had seen my file. Yeah. The first time someone pointed out to me that it was ordered, you would to see an obstetrician four more times in your pregnancy and everyone ignored it. Right. We don't know why. <laughs> yeah. So you're finding all of these things out that you think, wow, if only, if only, if only. Yes. Yes. We would not be here, right? That's right. Absolutely. So the birth itself, uh, how much detail do you want? It's, it, it can be as like much a... as as much as you want to tell, <laughs> as long as much as you're comfortable in telling us. I mean, you know, I'm sure, as you would know through your research, you're not the only mum out there that has experienced something like this. And you know, you've talked about that you're now living with um, pelvic organ prolapse, and so I'm sure that's a cause because of having your child correct so i think the more we open the conversation about it the more a woman naturally feels like she can have a voice about it as well and um that she feels validated in the way that she may have been treated or the way that she feels or the way that she um might be able to know the next step to take so i think it's really important you know you tell as much as you're comfortable telling um but yeah i think it's important just to um get the message out there. So you tell us as much as you want to tell us. Yeah. And I think that'll answer your question. Was it psychological or more kind of the physical? And I would say it's both because we went into that birth with the exact phrase of you would just breathe your baby down. Yes. Okay. So having that ideology and we were told and sold that throughout the whole and everything matched. So the the pregnancy book, books match the message in the birthing classes mm-hmm. the birthing classes message um, matched the one from the midwifery care so we were yeah. like yeah we've got we got this we're smart people yeah we invested a lot of time in it did meditations and all of that yeah and it was actually a really nice process mm-hmm. up until it wasn't and I think that's a common factor too so yeah. Yeah. labored a lot at home arrived at hospital seven centimeters dilated my midwife said well done go you you're going to meet your baby tonight wow we were really excited yeah kind of like checking into the hotel into the birthing yes. suite <laughs> and you set up the music and you put the candles on and you set up your lollies and and things and jokingly my husband and I were like is this it? Because I was obviously having um, contractions, but they were okay. And I thought, well, you know what? I have been through so much in my life and I've been through cancer and I've done all this. I can do anything. Yeah. And it was fine up until the point where um, things, and and it's funny because it was, you know, like a 27 hour labor. So what I would say happened, there will be times where it felt like, five minutes but it was probably five hours yeah yeah I get <laughs> so the long and sh- yeah so the long and short of it is I was laboring and doing all the movements and yeah. doing really well hopping in the bath dealing with pain um yeah. the, the it's way almost I like I- when you are in labor you just go into this internal zone and everything gets blocked out and you're just in here <laughs> that's how I felt when I was yeah, laboring yeah. with my first son it's just yeah. everything else gets blocked out and you're just like doing your little thing on the inside yeah. Yeah. And I thought we were doing everything 
the way we were taught. So I'm a very, you know, tick the box. Yes, I'm doing everything correctly. Yeah. Um, until the point where, so a lot of things happened in between. So I, I was induced and my waters were broken um, from very brief conversations about, you know, we need to keep it moving. You're getting very fatigued. So the idea was that I couldn't, I couldn't sit or I couldn't lay it down without being in excruciating pain. Right. Which we now know is because she was posterior back to yes. back. I didn't yes. even know what that word was. Yeah. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so it went from calm and, and relaxed to me with feed in stirrups. We just myself, my husband and my midwife to feed in stirrups, um, a, a, a registrar, their boss, my midwife, her boss, uh, someone to take the baby in their bus. So the room was full of all these people we yeah. did not know. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, so we were fine until she was stuck. And then we were stuck, meaning my husband and I had no clue. We had no yeah. idea what we we're doing. Yeah. We just were listening to what we were being told to do. Yeah. Because we put our whole out we put her life in yeah. their hands, not yeah. even considering me yeah. in that process at all. It didn't matter. Yes. Because there was so no plan put in place as to what happened as in a what if scenario of an emergency. So our birthing plan was yeah. a pre-filled fab form that was sent yes. from our birthing class that talked yeah. about all these beautiful things. Yeah. Full stop. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You were just going to breathe your baby down with Daisy's darling and good luck. See you at home breastfeeding. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what we are. That's what we are told and sold over and over and yeah. over. So when that didn't happen, so when my, my, um, the doctor who I'd never met said to me, uh, your baby is fine. She's fine. Don't panic. I love that. Fine. Don't panic, but we've got a room full of people. Don't panic. Yes. But we need to get this baby out. <laughs> She's facing the wrong way. We just need to turn her. Sounded really simple. I'm going yeah. to use this little, she showed me vacuum cup. Like you yeah. said, you're so in, it's really hard to get it. And at that stage, of course, you're just like, what's wrong with my baby? Just yes. make sure she's okay. Yeah. So they attempted to turn her once, twice, three, four times with right. different cups and it didn't work. Okay. Which I also later found out is not allowed because it's too many attempts. Yeah. By doing that, they tore the scalp off my baby's head entirely and on where that suction cap is and her bones are still deformed from that, oh where that God. was. Um, again, no one told us any of this, yes. by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. It's um, not funny. You know, and then they said, well... So that didn't work. So what we now need to do is do a slight cut. And at that point, she said, if you don't let me do this. As in an episiotomy? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you don't let me do this, I'm going to have to rush you down for an emergency. See, that kind of pointing at the door. Yes. And I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, after all this, something must be wrong. And then, yes. of course, I was worried. I looked yes. at my husband. He looked at me and we were both horrified. So we looked yeah. to our midwife and she kind of just gave us the, just just do it, you know, like yeah. do what has to be done. So yeah. we didn't, so we, nothing, no, um, no time to talk through any risks or consent or anything, just get her out. 
Yeah. Which, of course, we're for that too, by the way. Of course, because you want your baby <laughs> safe. <laughs> yes. At the end of the day, uh, yeah. And that was when I now realised that was all my grief, my fear of not having my baby alive. Mm. So they did the episiotomy uh, and then I didn't know at the time, had used forceps to get her out. Mm. Now to me, and I've described it in the book, it actually felt like they were jamming the baby back up inside me. Right. It felt like I was, you know, kind of this pressure up towards my chest and I couldn't yeah. breathe. Yeah. Then she was out. Yeah. And then they took her away straight away, even though in my birthing plan I had the pre-filled delayed cord clamping and chest to chest, all of that. She was gone and I was panicking. Yeah. And they kept saying, she's fine, she's fine. And then when they did bring her back and she started crying, then it didn't matter. Nothing mattered to me yes. at that point. Yeah. She was you alive. Had your baby. She, was yeah. she was a big girl. She was four kilos. Um, yeah. But she was okay. Yeah. So um, that's the long and short of it is we pretty much got, um, and then the, the doctor said, I'm just going to need to do a little bit of stitching. And I now know there was three different layers of stitching they had right. to do internal, yes. external. Yeah. Um, they got me up in the shower. I lost so much blood. Yeah. They put me in a wheelchair, wheeled right. me to the ward and said goodbye. And then by eight o'clock that night, oh, sorry, the next night, we were gone, home, yeah. finished. Yeah. So they checked, they checked it's baby. such a quick whiz in, whiz out, isn't it? And yeah. I sort of feel like hospitals try and oh, they almost try and make you have your baby as quickly as possible to make the room available for the next mum. It's almost... We, told we had to get out. Yeah. I had yeah. to get out of the delivery suite <clears throat> in a wheelchair because they yeah. was like, come on, it's October. Yeah. Oh, that's so busy. It's I've so busy in October. Because, <laughs> because it's Christmas and New Year's celebration. Yeah. Everyone's Seriously. relaxed. Everyone's yeah. relaxed, having a drink, having celebrating. Everyone gets a little bit, you know, lovey-dovey. like <laughs> double down on staff in October, mm. September, October, November. Yeah. So then we pretty much were wheeled out and uh, sent home with the idea that the midwifery care would continue at home for the next 10 days. So we had baby, we went home. Things were never, never good. They were never great. I couldn't actually sit on my bottom for about a month because of the wow. stitching. Yes. Um, and during that postnatal period, obviously you're trying to feed, you're trying to become a new mum, you're trying to adjust with your husband. Yeah. Um, the wound fell apart, so it, it deteriorated and it became very infected, and I felt very unwell. But yes. all you know how we're talking about um, the psychological trauma. Yes, that happened at that point because yes. I was never being listened to or heard by yes. my carers. Okay, and I felt like it was all in my head. Yes, until. I, we kept ringing them, obviously, and yeah. like, yeah, I'm a first-time parent. I'm super anxious. Yeah, I want to get this right. Did you almost feel but like because they weren't believing you, did you almost feel like, were you like questioning you, questioning yourself as in saying to yourself, am I actually making this up in my head? Is this actually 100% real? Am yeah. I, like, because they go, no, you'll be fine, or well, whatever they said yeah. to you. But they like, just no, told me it was Sorry, <laughs> they said that was it was just part of natural childbirth. This right. is part of having a baby, Stephanie. Right. This is just what happens. And so um, I'm like, okay, well, all right. So how do I sit out? I can't sit down. So yeah. we just try to navigate and they said, look, if you're really worried, go to your GP. And we did. 
Yeah. And I just cannot remember the look on his face when he looked at me and said, oh, darling, what happened to you? I was black. I hadn't seen it. I, I, I couldn't look down there. I was too yeah. horrified, oh, too scared. Yeah. I was black and blue and the wound, he sent me to hospital. He said, yeah. no, you need to go and see an obstetrician. Yeah. So I did. And yeah. they said, yeah, it was really bad. I almost had to go back in under anaesthetic to have it redone. Okay. But they, they tried a couple of different, um, lots of antibiotics and different treatments. And mm. yeah, it, it was okay. Not great, but okay. Yes. And then it yes. wasn't until a week later or so, the swelling started to subside. And I rang the midwife again. You idiots, you've left a baby in there. I've got a twin and it's coming out. What have you done? Like I was that I believed it so much but um they're like oh no it can't be don't be ridiculous so I went back to my doctor and they're like you probably have a prolapse and I was like a what a pro what what's that it looks like a baby's head yeah it's the bladder (gasps) wow oh my god how horrifying so I I thought I had this second baby, but it was in my bladder. And yeah. basically. So how soon oh, after birth did this happen? A few weeks, uh, like within two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it happened really quickly in yeah. terms of once the swelling had gone down, I could see it and I yeah. could feel it. And um, this was after the second, after you had the surgery to be stitched again? So we didn't have to go back in for surgery. It was just, okay. they, yeah, they said, if you, if it doesn't heal, we will yes. have to take you back in. But okay. I was, you know what? Again, I was more worried about breastfeeding interruption for Elsie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, you got to feed your baby. <laughs> yeah, she was like a week old. Mm. And that was hard enough as it was. Yeah. Um, so uh, then... Basically now, four years on, I still look like I'm birthing and crowning a baby out of my vagina. When we talk about pelvic organ prolapse, yeah. that's what I have been left with. Right. Um, so the, the forceps tore the, the muscle off the bone on the right side of my pelvic floor. Ouch. So that yeah. does, it doesn't exist anymore. And the left side was partly avulged. So the bladder leads down the vagina canal first with the uterus on top. So in the morning is my only period of time in the day where it is closed. And by the afternoon, the opening of my vagina has my bladder sitting there. Right. Um, And it all depends on how we manage the day, what I'm doing, how much rest we're getting. Um, on the symptoms so and this is something i have learned along the way too so many women have prolapse yeah um and just put up with it and live in this secret taboo secret so is this because obviously we all have a pelvic floor as well so has this destroyed your because the pelvic floor holds basically everything in from falling out so this has um destroyed your pelvic floor from having those forceps is that right Correct. So there yeah. is no there is no pelvic floor on the right yeah. side. It was torn off. So yeah. it's only got one side holding okay. everything. Can you have surgery to like build something there? I don't know. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> Put I love there your to stop. <laughs> I love your thought process. So I've been to the. I have spent the last three years going to every professor, gynecologist, yeah. urogynecologist, um, 
laparoscopic surgeons Mm. to try and have a repair. And I was due to go this January. So we met a professor who was going to do it a couple of years ago. And he said, okay, I can do it for you. But the caveat is no more babies. You have to be finished having children. Yes. This was in the October when Elsie just turned one. Okay. And so my husband and I thought, well, no, we're happy. We have our blessing. We yeah. Our void is full. Let's just have this surgery so you can go back to being your normal self. Yeah. Um, but then we went, oh, but what about Elsie? Actually, she really might want a sibling in her life. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we gave ourselves three months to fall pregnant and said, okay, if it's not here by Christmas, it's not meant to be. And then okay. one month later, I was pregnant. So five wow. years and then one month like it took five years for the first and then one month for the, for the second. second yeah <laughs> so of course as you can imagine during that pregnancy it was like this big ping pong between oh I'm so excited we're giving Elsie a brother to holy shit I'm not going to get a birth this baby what am yeah. I going to do yeah I have to have a cesarean and and so we worked very closely with both an obstetrician yeah. and a surgeon yeah. for nine months. To, like I had them on my speed dial mobile yeah, yeah. and I could ring them. I'm scared. What about, because to me, and I think a lot of people think this too, so I'm happy yeah. to share it. They think, well, the blood is blocking the hole. How's yeah. a baby going to get through? It's like a plug. Yeah. And so the next birthing plan we did, mm. I still wanted all that, that love and woo-woo of having my baby, yeah. but having a plan when a plan doesn't go to plan and then that a plan when that doesn't go to plan. Yeah. So I initially thought I have to have a Caesar. There's no way. But this professor and my obstetrician talked to me a lot about this, that having a second baby vaginally could not do any further damage than what was already done. Yes. Um, so I said, all right, I'll give it a go. Okay. However, they said psychologically or emotionally, if you're not okay at any point, just let us, like my obstetrician, just let me know. Yeah. So we did. We, we talked for, for a very long time. Our appointments were like one to two hours every time. Yeah. time. Yeah. It was phenomenal. That's amazing. Um, amazing yeah. care. Yeah, he w- and he's not, you know, I think he gives that to all of his patients too. Mm. I don't think it was, you know, just special, but he really yeah. got me. Yeah. Um, and so I did. I birthed Louis um, vaginally. With, and so the plan was exactly as we decided to um, empty the bladder, have it kind of fall off and birth on my left side. Yeah. So that's okay. exactly what happened. The yeah. bladder fell out of the way. The baby came out. Yeah. And I think I got that experience that I thought everyone would always get the first time. Okay. So you were able to not have any sort of interventions in regards to cups or faucets or things like that this second time, yeah. Correct. That was my thing. If at Mm. any point it looks like we might need to use some type of instruments, I want a cesarean and that was my choice Yes, because I couldn't go through that again. So I still was induced. I was happy to have an induction. Um, And we talked about that for a week, you know, the midwives say this and it's not great and it's synthetic and, you know, anyway, so we got to a point of saying, yeah, okay, I'm okay with that. Let's do that. Um, and the whole time, this time, I don't know why, Sam, but the first pregnancy, the whole time I thought, if you have a Caesar, 
you fail this natural birth camp, right? That you've been attending. Mm. The second time, I thought, where did that come from? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a cesarean no. if you need it or if you just want it. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've had four of them. Yeah. But my girlfriend who had one whispered it to me like, oh, I went, I tried vaginally, but I failed. It's like, so it's not fail. It's not failure. Yeah. We have that mindset. Yeah, it is. And that's like when I had my first son, I felt like I failed. I felt like my body Mm. failed me. I thought, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? Why can't I do this? And like you with your first baby, we were back to back as well. And, you know, my waters had broken um, over 24 hours prior. And so we were on like a timeline scenario. Yeah. And I was also induced. And, um, yeah, I was like one centimetre when they started the drip. And then I think it was about six or seven hours later, I was only three centimetres dilated and I just wasn't progressing and the baby heart monitor they had on me his heart rate was dropping every time I had contractions and they just said we're getting their surgeon in we're gonna (laughs) send you up for a cesarean basically but yeah like I I, I'm glad that I got to experience those labor pains and all that sort of stuff um Mm. but I just felt like I'd been robbed I felt like I'd been robbed of being able to push that baby out of having that moment of the baby on my chest to start with, I felt yeah. like he was born and he was put into a humidity crib and taken up to the ward. I didn't even get to yeah. hold him for two hours um, wow. from the time he was born. And my mom and my stepdad and my sister and my husband are all up in the maternity ward cuddling my baby before I even oh. got to. So, Aww. you know, there's <laughs> it's, yeah. my experience um, with trauma is certainly completely different to yours I always like to say it it is all valid and I always like to say you know trauma is there is no better than there is no worse than it it is all um what you experience within yourself it is all validated it should be validated in the sense that you know that you can express the way that your experience happened and that um, yeah I just think that you know everyone should be able to have a voice and not to be dismissed this is the next thing I would really love to discuss with you if it's okay and that's birth culture oh yes absolutely (laughs) let's talk about that Birthing culture is something that I have really learned a lot about since having two children so not prior but now so what we have is what I can see is this huge spectrum of how you can birth a baby when on yes. you know one side you've got the natural birthers even to the extent of the free birthers who prefer to have no medical support and no intervention Absolutely. all the way through to um, cesarean by choice okay yeah so no medical reason but just as a preferred choice yeah my big world dream for my girl is to actually see this is the whole spectrum, darling. You can choose this, you can choose that. But then in between, you've got, you can birth with this or you can have an induction or you could birth vaginally, you know, like this. Or yeah. you could have a what they've got now is a gentle cesarean where that baby will come out very gently and be on your chest. So yes. instead of coming from your vaginal hole, it comes yeah. from your tummy hole. That's it. I want women to know that, all of that is okay but 
I think the issue we have within this culture is that your midwifery leg care on the left and your obstetric care on the right, they're not friends, generally no. speaking, yes. gen very generally speaking. Yeah. There's no real communication or the same yeah. wavelength. Yeah. Their ideologies are very different. Yes. So one is very medical, one is very natural, and mm. they they can't seem to meet in the middle. So when mm. you have your birthing classes that are all natural midwifery led care, yeah, and then that's it, then you think that's the only way to birth your baby. So that the that's other right. end is always in opposition. So they're always mm. pitted against each other. Yeah. But it has no positive outcome for any of us. No. We've got women, I mean, I've been in various conversations just today and yesterday and the day before with women who are doulas, mm -hmm. who have nothing to do with obstetric care, think that men just want to slice and dice, etc. Yeah. I try to explain that my male obstetrician and my male urogynecologist are the ones yeah. that supported me through a vaginal birth, but they won't yeah. hear it. Yeah. They won't hear it. And I think it's very uh, the doulas won't hear it or the correct yeah, the doulas yeah. say but if you would have just been allowed to birth on your own in a pool without the hospital coming in and intervening I was like no 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 that's exactly what did happen yeah. we had a midwife who wasn't intervening yeah. <laughs> we yeah. had the natural candles and things we had your ideology and yeah. sometimes that doesn't work either yes it's not against that I love that's that right. I still yeah. love that yeah, absolutely. Right. If you go back to birthing, you know, 200 years ago, there was no real hospitals, I suppose, where, you know, women could go birth. Women had babies at home back then. And, you know, back then, the likelihood of a baby getting stuck. And that's why, you know, there was so many um, infant, the infant death rate was so high. And the, you know, mothers and dying mums. at birth was so high because it was either slice mum open, get the baby out maybe one will survive or do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, or birth your baby naturally and, you know, hope for the best kind of thing. There was, yeah, there's so much, oh my God. Oh, Sam, you know what? It is such a complex and multifaceted so topic yes. that brings a whole lot of passion and sometimes enrage in women to really not support one another. So it yes. is, well, I believe in this and I'm a doula. And if you would have just been allowed to have someone support you in the right environment, you would have been fine. Mm. But then you have your obstetrician that says, well, your baby was posterior and that was really always going to be a hard slog yeah. um, and dangerous at some point. Mm. So, you know, someone is, I had like an 80% chance of leaving that hospital with damage to me or yeah. my baby. Those yeah. odds are not great for me. And I would have liked to have been Assessed. <laughs> or just assessed. Yeah. You know, when I arrived at seven centimeters dilated, I wanted to be assessed as Stephanie, the individual mm. with the yeah. posterior baby, not the yeah. one size fits many, check her in. Yeah. Or two. And look, I realize it wasn't my midwife. It's a systemic issue of them being extremely overworked. Yeah. And for lots of other reasons. But as you now know from that law firm, I was meant to see an obstetrician. Four more times because I yeah. now know I also had five risk factors. So right. the fact I had gestational diabetes, mm. um, my baby was big, I had previous cancer, history of anxiety, yeah. um, 
none of that was taken into account. It was mm. just another pregnant mum, and I was on the table. Yeah, yeah, I was geriatric. I was thirty-five. Right. So. Had I known what I know now, this is what I mean in the book, yeah. I could have, when we say let's empower women, yeah. half the time it's BS because what they're mm. saying is let's empower women and get them to push it out naturally mm. without a doctor intervening. That's yeah. not empowerment. That's just one way. That's one good yes. way you can. Yes. Empowerment is like what I said seeing the whole spectrum, yeah. reading the whole textbook. Absolutely. The the textbook, it's like you've got this umbrella of yeah. and the umbrella being birth and then underneath yes. you've got all these other little Correct. parts of birth, you know, whether it be yeah. natural, cesarean, whatever steps it takes, you need to take it all into account. And I agree yes. with you wholeheartedly that through my own experience, you know, as well, that, you know, I've been um, down the cesarean path and, so I totally understand where you're coming from in regards to that because the information I felt when I thought I was going to have my babies naturally and then I was, you know, rushed off for a cesarean, I felt like that I was not informed about any, anything Correct. about that. I only knew yeah. one way. Yeah. I, said I had heard of people, I heard of people of having cesareans before, but yeah. I didn't think that would be my reality. No, and no one does. I think Lisa Wilkinson says it on the project. Mm. When she went to her birthing classes, there was they said, oh, one in four of you is going to have a cesarean. And she looked around like, it won't be me. And it was her, mm. right? So it happens to all of us. But the yeah. whole idea, I met a midwife two weeks ago. I interviewed her for the, you know, and went through stuff. I said, why don't you do birthing classes on cesarean? Because no one's doing it. Yeah. Because the government... And everyone does not want that to be an option. So there's a government policy in Which is so interesting because yeah. a lot of doctors I have found since having my cesarean, yeah. as soon as you have one cesarean, they push for you to have cesarean after cesarean. Okay. And there's no... Um, because of that chance of uterine rupture, you know, when you're having a baby, yeah. when you've already had a cesarean. Yeah. So, and there's no um, information out there about what can sort of happen. And so when I went back to the, like you still have your midwife um, appointments at the hospital and all that sort of stuff. So when I went and had those appointments, I just had to make it very clear to them about what I wanted from my past experience. And I told them about what had happened and that I wanted yep. a baby stay with me and I wanted chest contact and I didn't care how many midwives they had on the ward. One had to be with me in recovery so I could yeah. start breastfeeding and like all that sort of stuff. Sure. So I think I was not clever, but I was smart enough to go, that was not the experience I wanted before. I'm going to make mm. damn sure that it happens for me this time. So yeah, I feel like, oh my God, this is like going to be such a big movement. You're doing such amazing stuff, Stephanie. Oh, thank you, Sam. <laughs> I really hope so. And I really need to make it clear that I am not in favour or against any way someone yeah. wants to birth. If you want a free birth in the ocean or wherever that is, I'm all for that for you. Yeah. If that works for you. If you want to choose to have a cesarean for whatever reason, there's lots of lots of reasons. Absolutely. Um, then that's for you too. If you want to have your a birth and your after right, a choice. Yeah. As long as someone in the right this is the hard thing with where we talked about birthing culture. It depends who you're talking to. They're going to mm. give you their biased information. If you can go and meet with a midwife and then an obstetrician and then make your decision. Yes. 
Amazing. So I met, like I said, I met that obstetrician the other day and I was like, why aren't you doing these classes? And she said, I've got midwives here. I've hired them. I'm trying to do that, mm. but it's just not advertised. Yes. Yeah. Women aren't made aware of it either. And, she and says, I suppose you know what? my Caesar rates are higher, mm. but also, but you know what's lower? Damage to mothers' vaginas, like you. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't fix you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, I guess it's hard. Do you know what the hardest thing is with birthing culture, Sam? What mm. I found when people hold on to their ideologies, the thing they really can't see anything outside of that. So yeah. I'm trying to explain things, and they won't have it, and they just mm. no 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 and shut it down and i think yeah. that then instills this divide it yeah. gives power to this divide yeah. that it almost helpful. goes against their core beliefs doesn't it in Correct. regard to you know what they've been taught i suppose and i suppose you know they've yes. gone through all this training and they yeah, believe yeah. everything that they're told without doing their own sort of investigation as opposed to what could happen on the other side of things or you know and i suppose that's almost a failure on a doula's part or and the obstetrician's part that you know that they can Correct. sort of dive into each other's you know go cross over so then they can kind of see from each other's perspective yeah it's really interesting yeah there's just way too much ego in between i've heard you know they just they, and they'd say oh it's a money thing with the obstetricians and they, they get more money when they do a caesar mm. i was like oh does that ever need to be relevant to the poor yeah. mum in the middle who's yeah. going I don't know which one yeah. to go through. It doesn't, and I can see why care. the government doesn't want to, you know, glorify cesareans because if you're going through Medicare, that's costing the government money. <laughs> Do you well, know what I mean? You know, for you to have a cesarean. Well, Sam, I did not know about this policy. There's a policy in 2010 brought out. It's called Towards Natural Birth. Mm. So that was a directive in New South Wales for hospitals to reduce numbers of cesareans yeah. no matter what. Yeah. I was the cost of that. Right. me my body my yeah. body yeah because i wasn't ever given the option talked about cesarean because yeah. everyone was told to get them down push those babies out yeah yeah and that's in 2010 because you know how we talked about caesar being a failure feel my mum and my sister who had kids generations ago they yeah. didn't ever feel that pressure i think mm. it's our insta mummy generation of yeah, that possibly perfect organic mums you know yes yeah yeah and that kind of feeling of like well she did it so why couldn't I do it sort of it's yeah. that comparison almost isn't it yeah well yeah. I said to my mum why didn't you talk to me about any of this stuff and she said well you didn't come to me and ask so this is the the whole idea of the book is that we sit down with our cup of teas yeah and we talk about these taboo topics not protesting and picket lines yeah but just saying what was your birth like mum how how did I come into this world was it traumatic yeah. for you what happened because um it's through those conversations when you say oh my oh yeah such and such has got a prolapse and your aunt such and such and like oh now I know what a prolapse is okay yeah well, okay yeah. sure they're so knowledgeable they know so much but we're they not do. sharing right that's right we've lost the village we have yeah until now i'm bringing it back yes we are bringing it back <laughs> excellent so we talked about empowered birth culture so you are launching i said that really funny then yeah, <laughs> it's exciting i love it <laughs> uh, launching a book can you tell us about your book yes. 
The book is called The Day My Vagina Broke, mm. What They Don't Tell You About Childbirth. And it really is um, twofold. So the first part is my journey to motherhood mm-hmm. and what happened. There is a trigger warning in one of the chapters for a small part yep. that explains what happened. Um, so people can skip that whole thing and still get the big picture. Yes. Um, I wrote it for broken mums like me who have been through this and don't have the words to say that they don't know what happened they don't you know um to be able to realize that there is hope so this is actually a story of hope it's not doom and gloom it's not a horror story Mm. there are horrible parts to my story but it's not a horror story it's not made up um but it's i want to help mums and i'm going to say empowered again i know it's overused but i want them to see yes okay there's a spectrum where you can birth your baby go and find out about all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just read the book with the mum on the cover at the beach rubbing her belly in a lovely mm. white cheesecloth. That's <laughs> awesome. Yes. But then go and read a book about cesarean by choice as well. Like yeah. go and I know it's not, but you know, at the same time, it's putting a lot of pressure on mums that they already have. I reckon you could almost replace you know? that word empowered for sharing your wisdom. And love it. Yeah. You could change it yeah. up and just go, I'm sharing my yeah. wisdom and yeah. I'm making other mums out there um, aware and more knowledgeable of, yeah. you know, childbirth. Do you know what I love most about it too? At the end of each chapter, um, we've come up with some questions and self-reflection so that whoever reads it, reads the chapter, a little bit of self-reflection so that they can actually challenge their own biases within. Like, why do I I want to have a baby through my, why do I not want to have pain medication for something so bloody painful? Yeah. You know, or or why can't I (laughs) use the word, why can't I use the word contraction and why do I have to use the word surge? All of those just let you have some time to reflect because I think, had I been um, helped along that, I was scared my whole pregnancy, but I was never allowed to say it. Mm. I was scared of losing my baby. I was scared of having a miscarriage. I was scared of everything, but everyone's like, you'll be fine. Let's just buy cute clothes. Okay. If it yeah. had that someone to hold your hand for that psychological support, mm. I think would be in a really different place because Absolutely. I did it the second time yeah. and I had a really good care counsellor so when I ring up more freaked out come in let's let's talk about that some more stuff I find that really interesting because I am wondering if you I know you experienced um trauma in your um after having your baby in your vagina area um but I'm wondering if the recovery side of things um was different as well. And it's probably, well, it was completely different for you, but I'm wondering that side of things of care, mm-hmm. um, if the the care would have made a huge difference in that I as well, so. because, you know, you were talking about having your first baby and everyone was just, oh no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And then you kind of question yourself, am I actually making this up in my head? And yeah. then the second time around, you were given that validation of, um, you know, your thoughts and feelings towards having this baby and you had more of a better understanding as well. It's, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the time women just, um, because especially first-time mums, they don't yes. know any better and yes. they believe what people tell them. And so, and that's all the information that they have to go off. Yeah. And so when you become a second-time mum, 
you know better because you've done it once before. <laughs> and it's a shame and you, you can't practice childbirth, right? right? No, and it's not, it's, not so much, it's not so much the childbirth thing because I sort of feel like your body will do what it needs to do. And yes, sometimes, you know, there might need to be an intervention or that you might have to cesarean. The way your baby gets here, it doesn't matter. It's what happens for the mother care and the mother care mother care before and the mother care after which makes a huge impact and even the mother care during a labor or during a cesarean has a massive impact because you know our bodies are doing these things and then something negative happens and it instills fear into our body and you know it creates all these different feelings of anxiety and you know, or, um, all that sort of stuff as well. And it just, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that really mother care is so important in pregnancy, labor, and, you know, and after beyond, the baby. Even now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah. it's something that's skimmed by so quickly. Mm. And we just, yeah, because it happens of... so quickly too, doesn't it? And like you were saying, you were in and out with your baby. <laughs> Pretty but much. the second time we did something, I think it's natural too when you have a traumatic experience to run in total opposition. So people who haven't had a good experience at Caesar with an obstetrician will, mm. will typically go midwifery care. And yeah. I went the opposite. So we had an obstetrician and did everything in opposition mm. um, and stayed in hospital for a week. And yeah. it was totally different. It mm. was amazing. Um, yeah. So, which makes it hard. It's like this Swiss cheese effect. You'll be fine, but you yes. won't be. And so yes. I can't, my book isn't going to fix childbirth world straight no. away. Mm. But for me, um, Sam, it's the small wins. So I want antenatal classes to equally talk about what a cesarean birth is mm-hmm. with a natural birth. So women can go, oh, okay, that's what it, because let me tell you, when my obstetrician told me what a Caesar was by choice, mm. I was like, oh, so it's not, it's actually not that easy as what I have been told in the past. I was, mm. you know, in and out, can't drive for six weeks. Oh no, it's actually quite major surgery. Mm. So being informed, I was able to go, yeah, okay, well, let's just try this. And then if it, if it needs to happen, that's okay too. Yeah. Um, but the small wins of, yeah, and giving dads better, oh, my God, my poor husband. Mm. He just, he said in those classes, I just learned how to tickle your back. I didn't yeah. know that when things, when shit hit the fan, what can I do? He goes, mm. I feel, just stood there like an idiot. Yeah. He didn't know what to ask. He didn't know what to say. Yeah. He didn't know say. And I'm sure he was probably traumatised by it all too. <laughs> 100%. And do you know yeah. what? He's never talked about it and he probably won't until now yeah but yeah so it's uh look we didn't cry at that birth how funny she came out and we just stood there like this but when my son was born we were both we were in emotional tears when he was yeah yeah we we were okay and he was okay yeah amazing so where can people find when does your book come out Oh, so it's officially launched on the 17th of this month, which yep. is very exciting for mm-hmm. a little local gig near where we live. But straight after that, you'll be able to get it online at Dimix or Angus at Robertson. Oh, awesome. um, yeah, Amazon, Booktopia, yep. wherever you can kind of find good books. It'll be there. It's got a nice big red cover. It's right awesome. in your face. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I hope people do get a lot out of it. That That's my It sounds main amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. I'll be buying a copy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Oh. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Steph, for your time today for being on the Blab podcast. And I'm sure that many listeners out there can relate to a lot of the topics that we've spoken about today. And um, yeah, I'll post your links and stuff um, with this podcast. So those who want to get in contact or grab your book, they can do that. Thank you for the great conversation. I really, really loved it. Thank you. No worries at all. Thanks for having it, okay. having me. Bye. I had you. <laughs> That's what uh, motherhood's all about. Yes. <laughs> Thank oh, very funny. you. Bye. 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 Hi, and welcome to the Blood Podcast. Today is episode 15, and I'm really excited. I have an amazing woman who I really enjoyed um, doing this podcast with, um, who is Stephanie Thompson. Uh, Stephanie Thompson is an author, and she's just released her new book called The Day My Vagina Broke. And um, let me tell you a little bit about Stephanie. Um, she's an awesome and brave mama and wife. Um, her long journey to becoming a mum is her greatest achievement. Her never die attitude and resilience to adversity was just not going to let cancer or birth trauma stop her from trying to be the best mum that she can be. With over 15 years experience working as an educator and leader, she knows how important advocacy is for making real change. And after completing her degree in education, she worked as a critical responder in child protection for a few years before heading into the classroom of public schools across Sydney uh, for the next decade. Prior to the birth of her baby, she was an educated consultant for some of the top private schools across the eastern states of Australia while also running a small tea business and um, competing in triathlons. Busy is what she does best. Stephanie lives with her loving husband, two little people and two fat cats on the south coast of New South Wales. She isn't able to be a teacher, a triathlete or tea business owner anymore. The trauma from giving birth has let her body has left her body broken. Um, but of course, that is not the end of the story. After looking into the wrong places, looking in all the wrong places, sorry, for her resolve, she discovered writing. Writing is now what she is is now how she is helping to make a way for change in this childbirth space. Stephanie created the Brave Mama community and is working hard to advocate for the sisterhood to band together and support one another in what is already a difficult time. Her main aim is to ensure women can feel empowered to make better informed decisions about their birth choices and beyond into motherhood. When she manages to find a spare 32 minutes, <laughs> she enjoys watching the letdown while folding the mountain, while folding the Mount Washmore of baby, oh, yeah, the mountain of baby clothes with a cup of tea. So that is an introduction into Stephanie. <laughs> that is her bio from her book, actually. And, um, yeah, this podcast is going to be pretty amazing to listen to. Um, her book is called The Day My Vagina Broke, and it is about um, 
Oh, just listen to the podcast. You'll love it. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to the Blab podcast. Please head to samararomanis.com. Like the Facebook page, Body Love After Birthing Babes, and follow samara.romanis on Instagram. Have the best day.